All right, Rob, welcome to the Blockhouse Podcast, uh, live episode 202. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great pleasure to have you. Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself as we kind of get started with the show. Uh, I'm sure people are curious about who you are and what your background's like in this space. How did you find yourself immersed in this wonderful world of crypto and blockchain? Yeah, so, so actually, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a dot-com guy. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, crazy, crazy. I, I actually started the very first financial service on the internet back way back in 1993. It was the first stock quote server, first mutual funds uh, site on the net. It was called Net Worth, mm-hmm. and it was acquired by Intuit when I was around 29 years old. It was pre-Yahoo, pre-Netscape, pre-Google, way before Google. So I've been doing fintech companies for shoot almost 30 years um did another company in the ai space sold it to lycos lycos went public and then was sold to telefonica then another company uh which we which was acquired by nielsen so i've been i've been basically a serial entrepreneur and uh when i saw blockchain emerge uh my, my firm now cosmo ventures we've been around for a little over seven years almost eight years and when I saw blockchain emerge, I said, holy cow, this is this is the single largest value creation event in our lifetime. Like this is way bigger, I believe, than uh, than the Internet itself. So I've been doing this for a while, but now I'm on the investment side. We run a we run a, a venture fund focused on uh, on blockchain. Got it. Do you think it's uh, do you feel like it's potentially bigger than the dot com bubble in terms of, you know, yeah. reach and yeah. technology? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you when you think about the internet and how it's changed our life, right? Uh, the whole thing about the internet was really about decentralization, right? The internet itself, right, was designed to s- survive a nuclear attack, and the early phases of the internet was really about content and the decentralization of content. Kind of phase two was really about communication, right? Voice over IP. I did a company that was sold to Unity uh, for voice over IP for video games called Bbox. Uh, and you know, also about commerce, right? All of a sudden you've got decentralized commerce. You know, when I grew up, I'm in my fifties when I grew up, you know, we had four, four television stations, ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. Now look at us, we're, we're doing this live, uh, across the net. So when blockchain came out, it's really what it's about is decentralizing the finance part of it. It's the internet of money. It's the internet of trust, really it's decentralized trust. So it's it's absolutely, I believe, the kind of the value layer that we're that we're laying on top of uh, on the internet, the decentralized value layer. It's, it's massive, you know, multi, multi, multi-trillion dollar opportunity. Yeah, it's a very exciting industry. A lot of money is pouring into it like crazy these days, um, which I imagine is why um, you guys want to get into the same line of business. So with Cosmo Ventures, um, what what's what was the idea behind doing it? Was it just wanting to invest in the space and seeing the same opportunity, or did you want to be more actively involved? Yeah, you know, my partners are neither. There's three. There's four of us total. Uh, my three other partners. We always say, "Man, we've seen this movie before. We've mm-hmm. been in this movie before. We know how this movie ends." And we saw the alpha. We saw the investment returns that were generated in the internet era and in the mobile era in 2008. And we just said, you know, if you're not investing in this space right now, you're going to miss out on on massive, uh, massive amount of alpha, massive amount of return. And, you know, part of investing is really about market timing because, you know, we all we've all been too early. Right. 
uh, where, you know, you invest and then, oh man, right? And then uh, we've all been too late where all the alpha kind of moves out. And, and what we try to do is look at the market timing and say, when is the best time to jump in? And, you know, throughout history, if you look at kind of product adoption cycles, it generally goes from kind of the visionary, right? Which is around 5% of the market to, you know, kind of the, the early adopters, which is another 10% of the market. And then there's this magic moment where the visionaries and the early adopters, 15% of the market, all of a sudden the mainstream, the early, you know, the, the kind of early majority gets in. And when that happens, man, you cross the chasm, as Jeff Moore says, you go inside that tornado and you're off. That's where all the alpha is, all the investment return is at scale. And I think if you look at all the numbers, we're right at that point now. We're early. You know, we're, we're absolutely early, but we're right at that 12 to 15 percent, depends on who you talk about. So as investors now really is, you know, the time uh, to, to jump, you know, to jump in. You know, I was, I was on the plane uh, flying back last night, guys sitting next to me and we're talking and, and we're talking about, you know, crypto and stuff. Obviously he asked me what I was doing and he, he says, man, he goes, I, I should have bought, you know, I'm, I'm late to the party. I said, no, you're not, man. This is the first inning. Uh, you know, this is this is only getting going. So uh, so we created a fund to really give investors early access to this. You know, a lot of people, they, they jump in um, kind of later down, you know, later as as these companies become more mature, as these projects become more mature. What we try to do is create a situation where you invest in a fund, it's diversified and you get that early access and exposure uh, to these uh, to these projects. You know, hopefully before they get listed. Right. You're getting them at a, at a, at a discount to that listing price. Where do you think we, well, you're explaining kind of where we are on the adoption scale, but how do you long do you think that period of time is going to last? Because it's kind of felt like that for a while. Um, obviously, things are starting to really head uphill and people are diving into it like crazy. But how long do you think this period is going to last before, you know, it starts getting crazy and parabolic? And Isn't that, isn't that the magic? Uh, isn't that the, the, the trillion dollar question, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, look, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but, you know, from my perspective, I look at, I look at the history, right? I look at what happened with .com. I look at what happened with mobile, with e-commerce. And this is playing out very similar to those, but in an accelerated fashion. You know, the internet actually didn't have the benefit of the internet to promote itself, right? You had you had Steve Case mailing out, you know, CDs to jump on America Online, right? In every magazine and everywhere to get online, whereas now everybody is online. So, you know, I think this is this is going to accelerate much faster. If you look at how the Internet played out, it was really around 25 years for it to really reach maturity. I would say uh, if you look at kind of mobile, it, it was around half that to really get to to maturity. I, I would say this is probably in that five to 10 year range uh, to roll at scale. There's some key things that have to happen here. Uh, regulation, for instance, you know, the, the the mainstream you know the mainstream majority is is afraid they're risk adverse and so a lot of people say oh man the regulators and they're coming in and it's crazy but i actually think it's a good thing because what it does is it it provides security and guardrails and trust in the ecosystem for the majority that want to come online when that when there's regulatory clarity every single time there's been some kind of regulatory clarity the markets have just you know gone up more new money has been coming into the market so 
uh, kind of long-winded answer to your question, but I, I think it's probably five to 10 years. I think we're, like I said about, you know, first inning, 15% of the market's coming in, the institutional money's flooding in. Um, and then you got the macro, right? The macro is we're devaluing our currency. It's a global market, the pandemic, people are losing faith in their, their, their reserve currencies, et cetera. That, that'll drive it faster. Would you say you're pro regs then if you if you believe that? Um, I am. Um, I'm, I'm not pro stupid regs. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> we get a lot of those, unfortunately. You know, when when when, uh, you know, uh, our regulators aren't, aren't generally uh, I, I, I think the regulators, at least in the US, are taking a pretty uh, informed approach. Um, so I haven't you know, I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, but I'm always scared of, you know, these kind of blanket, uh, you know, uh, ridiculous kind of regulations that that just don't help anybody. So uh, for me, I'm all about how do we get mainstream into this? You know, it's just like the early days of the internet. It's, it's just, nothing's changed, right? In the early days of the internet, it was hard to get on the internet, right? Like, you know, you had to download this software and that software and you had to dial up through a modem. I mean, you had to jump through hoops. And then what happens is, is all those problems in my look, I'm an entrepreneur and investor. For me, every problem, I always look at the flip side of that. OK, every problem equals opportunity. Opportunity equals entrepreneurial opportunity to make, you know, to, to make investment returns. So, you know, in the, in the early days of the Internet, all those problems were were solved and the people who solved them made incredible investment returns same thing here right it, it's difficult right now but it's getting easier and getting easier and it will get easier it'll get safer it'll get more risk-free and and then you know that's all part of the growth and what we want to do is invest in those companies and in those projects that are solving those problems what would you say is the biggest correlation then between what you experienced in the dot-com bubble versus what you're experiencing now in the crypto blockchain fintech kind of revolution or or, or bubble or whatever your view of it is? What, what's that correlation that you think maybe is similar or if you think it's completely different? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it's similar and I'll tell you how it's different. Um, okay. It's similar in that um, the adoption is, is going along that traditional kind of product diffusion theory, right? S-curve growth. Uh, it's very similar to that. It's very similar to how essentially everything we're building here are networks, right? Every, everything in blockchain is really about networks and the network effect. And that's similar to how it happened in dot-com. What's different here is, is it's global. It's not limited to Boston, New York, and Silicon Valley. Like mm -hmm. this is worldwide. In fact, the majority of stuff is happening outside the US. So it's global. Um, and it's also, um, it's way more liquid. So, you know, if you look at the traditional venture capital kind of timeline, right? You, you, you invest in a company in a seed round, a series A, a series B, you keep investing. The average harvest period for an exit in VC is around five years, four and a half years, 4.6 years. The average time to get to unicorn status, I think is around 10 years, maybe eight years. And I think the average time to harvest off unicorn is, is in the teens, maybe 12 to 15 years. Most of these crypto projects are getting some sort of liquidity event 
within one, two, three years, and they're massive liquidity events. And so that has to change how you think about it uh, as investors. The other thing is, is that um, now there's access. You know, we created a venture fund where outside the outside the U.S. it's it's a security. It's not a you know it's a it's a Reg D you know 506C security in terms of the SEC and Finra, but outside of the U.S. you know ten thousand dollar minimum investment and you're investing in a venture fund in the U.S. it's much more. You have to be accredited investor, etc. Um, so so it's different in that from an investor perspective, it's not just about doing this kind of four year investment period, hoping for liquidity at the end, the liquidity happens pretty fast. And you have to focus on what happens after you get liquidity. Uh, you know, in VC land, you know, a typical company, you do a bunch of investing and then you sell it and everybody kind of cashes out and everybody's happy here. You know, after this thing becomes liquid, that's really when the real work happens, because that's when, you know, you really got to deliver. Gotcha. Um, tell me about some things that you guys invest in in your portfolio or what you have invested in or things maybe you want to invest in or are investing in. Um, what yeah. does that kind of look like? Yeah, we have, I think we have around 15, 18 um, op opportunities. We're doing maybe one or two uh, a month. Um, what we're all about is getting early access to these deals. And we're getting them, we're getting access by meeting the founders, working with the founders, getting involved, bringing kind of our entrepreneurial values uh, to the table. Uh, we were early in on Casper Labs. We love what they're doing. Uh, we also like, like the price bump they recently uh, had. Um, we really, really love the team, what they're doing there. Um, we love Hedera. We think that, uh, you know, I'm a Carnegie Mellon guy. Those guys came out of Carnegie Mellon with Hashgraph. We think that that, that, that blockchain is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, incredible. Um, we did a deal called dust networks, which is a privacy, uh, blockchain, which is pretty interesting. Um, we really like what they're doing. Uh, our checks, uh, on the, uh, kind of global, uh, digital asset bank side out of London, um, Endow, which is a really interesting currency. It's kind of uh, a, one of the biggest, one of the most interesting projects that people haven't, I, I think, haven't, they're getting awareness now. Uh, that's an adaptive currency, kind of like an ample fourth type of thing, but it's not meant to be stable. It's a, it's a long-term store of value. They're doing some really cool stuff in the NFT space as well. Um, some other ones, Sovereign, Shift, uh, Kibo, uh, so, you know, what we really, you know, we've really broken the market down into kind of, I would say, six segments from the base layer protocols to, uh, you know, the, in, the infrastructure in between to, you know, Web3. Uh, we're just starting to really jump into Web3 uh, now. Got it. Without, well, without picking favorites, what is most exciting for you, do you think, or that's going to come alive much more quickly? Um, so one of the areas that I'm very interested in uh, that we that we're just now looking at um, is the NFT side. And I get frustrated when I hear people talking about NFTs because it's it, they're talking more about the NFTs themselves. And I'm not into that. I, what I believe NFTs are really about is decentralized digital rights management. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have. Uh, again, let's go back to my kind of early story, right? In the early days, you had these central, you know, these towers. I call them, we're going from the tower, which is the central institutions of trust, 
to the square, which is the town square or the network of people in the town square all talking. That's, that's what the world has been doing, right? And we did it with content. We did it with commerce. We've done it with communication. And now we're doing it with trust and financial transactions. So when you think about it, the old world of I'm a content creator, I go out and put it on a single tower and the tower pays me, the, the, that main firm pays me to a world where our content lives everywhere. So what NFTs really are is about is about decentralizing that di those digital rights so that the digital rights, the contracts go with the media. And to me, that's profound. All these content creators will now be able to manage their own digital rights on their own and be able to distribute it across the world and get paid every time that that digital media is 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 traded, bought, sold, moved, watched. Uh, and then you can layer in all kinds of other rights to it. Right. If I buy if I buy this, uh, I don't know, uh, athletes, NFT, I get a mm -hmm. discount on a ticket or if I buy a, a digital song, I actually get a cut of some of the royalties. You know, there's all kinds of creative things that we, ha we haven't even explored yet that can happen with it. So that's one area I'm really excited in, Web3 as well. Um, it's pretty exciting. DeFi is just insane, right? I mean, yeah. you know, when we when we started looking at DeFi two years ago, it had about a billion dollars locked up into it. I think I've read somewhere that the rate of uh, asset accumulation in the decentralized finance side is doubling every two months. What's it, over 260 billion now? And I, I don't know, I checked maybe a month ago, it's probably double that. You know? And APYs are going up too. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. They got so much liquidity pulling in. They're so automated. They're able to actually support like 13, 20% APYs. It's, it's That's insane. Right. That's right. That's right. And the whole macro behind that is just, is just, in, you know, is, is just, uh, is really just insane. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy. I love NFTs too. I think that they're just kind of scratching the surface of what they will eventually be able to do for artists, athletes, um, celebrities, anyone that has a public image, anyone that has some type of proprietary um, song or video or, you know, whatever it may be, um, royalties and rights, copyright, things like that will be very, very important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I we're looking so we're looking at some pretty cool stuff in that side. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did we did one deal. Um, I don't think we can announce yet, but we're, we're looking at a couple of others right now. So we're pretty, uh, pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting industry. DeFi on its own is going to be a massive industry. I don't, I don't even think it's going to be a niche anymore because you're talking about decentralizing all of finance. Um, and they have already labeled all of finance CFI, <laughs> so they've already segregated it. Um, so I, I think it's going to break off from blockchain as an industry. It's just going to be its own thing at some point. There's just so money, so much, much, so much money going into it, and it's crazy. Yeah, it, that's exactly it. And and I think you know, um, look, blockchain is going to affect everything, right? Uh, and you know, our entire society. All our institutions in society are built on what? Trust, right? If I, if I don't know you and you don't know me and we want to transact, what do we do? We use a middleman. And the middleman is somebody we trust. We use a broker when we're buying a house or a stock. We use, you know, uh, a bank when we're doing financial transactions. All of a sudden, we're using a network to do that. And so it's going to, it's, you know, it's just going to affect everything. You know, it's really, uh, you know, from supply chain, it, it's, it's really, uh, 
it's a pretty, uh, I, I don't sleep. I, I'm just so excited about it. And the most exciting thing for me is, is I, I believe there's Dow in this. And, you know, not to be kind of corny, mm -hmm. but, you know, 50% of the world is unbanked. 50% of the world is unbanked. You know, 50% of the people in the world. Wild. Okay. They, but 75% but of the world have one of these. Okay. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, 50% of those have prepaid because they don't have a bank to pay for it. But that's okay because if you have one of these, now all of a sudden you're part of, you're part of the financial ecosystem. That's going to change your life, right? You got some, mm -hmm. you know, content creator in some remote part of the world who puts their, 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 their media out there. They have, they don't have a bank account, but they can put their media out there. They can, they can put their NFTs out there. They can get their digital rights. Now all of a sudden, you know, they've got income. Yeah, Wi-Fi wi is readily accessible just about everywhere in the world today, even in a developing or even a third world country. As long yeah. as you got one of these, you got a phone, um, you know, you're connected, you're, you're connected. integrated. So the, the key is, you know, getting on the phone, which is another surprising thing. I'm surprised we haven't seen more blockchain applications tailored to my phone, and they've all been based in the web browser or my computer. That That's going to be a big leap that has to happen at some point. I'm kind of surprised by it. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's actually an issue with the phone manufacturers uh, and what they mm -hmm. what they're comfortable with having on the phone and what they're not, um, and what's their cut. <laughs> quite mm -hmm. frankly, can you imagine that though? Having a at some point it's going to happen. Imagine having a decentralized Uber on your phone, having yeah. decentralized Airbnb on your phone, uh, a decentralized marketplace like Amazon or eBay on your phone. Exactly. Um, being able to do all these things, it's going to be pretty incredible once it happens. It, it, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I really, uh, I really agree. With, you know, and that's what Web three is all about, mm -hmm. right? Is how do we, how do we move this? You know, this, this puts the power in the in the hands of 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 the people. I, I actually think it's kind of a, if you think about it, you know, philosophically, um, it's it's a it's a property. It's a it's a digital property rights. Um, it's a custodial kind of ownership rights revolution, right? Mm -hmm. if, 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 if I put my money in the bank, um, who owns the money? Do you own it or does the, does the bank own it? Who's using it? The bank. Well, it's not even money. It's bank credit. That's right. It's bank nine, credit. Nine tenths of your dollar gets loaned out anyways. <laughs> That's right. And so what happens if I'm a purported criminal? What, what is the first thing the government do? They, they, they freeze your account, right? They seize mm -hmm. your assets. Whereas if I put Bitcoin in my wallet, not on an exchange, because that's because they have it. But if I put Bitcoin in my wallet, who owns it? I do. And if, how do you know how much Bitcoin I have? So if I'm private about it and I don't tell anybody I have it, how are they gonna seize it? Now, I'm not saying you wanna do something nefarious. I'm just saying, I'm trying to illustrate that this is all about custodial property person holding on to your property mm -hmm. you know it's cool stuff it is it, definitely cool stuff it's very exciting yeah. one, another question um and then we'll kind of slowly start wrapping it up this one sure. i just kind of crossed my mind thinking about how, what things DeFi is just kind of swallowing and mm -hmm. i was thinking about DAOs, uh decentralized autonomous organizations have you guys ever considered going down that route where maybe you set up like a DAO to do some mm -hmm. kind of investing or funding alongside what you're doing with Cosmo, um, or even turning Cosmo into a DAO at some point. It's an interesting idea. I know it, a lot it, of funds are doing it. Yeah, it is. A, it is an absolutely interesting idea. Um, ultimately, uh, the reason why we haven't 
is so we tokenized our fund. Uh, CosmoX is actually, uh, and it's CosmoX.com. We're actually one of the very first tokenized venture funds. I think we're the first evergreen tokenized fund, which means we're open-ended and we're always raising capital. Uh, and what happens is, is that when you invest in Cosmo, you get a token. It's a security token. And then you can trade that token. And as the assets of the fund rise, the token value rises. And if that so if the fund goes down in value, the, 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 you know, the value of the token goes, goes down. Um, and, you know, for at, at the end of the day, when you raise a fund, you're raising money. So you, you, you got to talk to investors. And if investors are used to one thing, meaning the 10 year lockup J curve VC fund, now all of a sudden you spring on them this whole concept of a token, they're going, wait a minute. You know, this is a new market and a new, you know, this token thing. I don't know. Right. So adding another layer, which is this DAO uh, concept, makes it even harder. Right. To uh, to raise money. Do I believe it's going to happen? Yeah. Do I believe everything's going to move in that direction? Yes, I do. I just don't think that the investment market is ready. I think it's just now getting ready for, you know, for the token uh, tokenized funds. What we're after with Cosmo. <clears throat> Quite frankly, I mean, we have Rochester Institute of Technology, a major university in the U.S. in the fund, okay, which is great. And we want big institutions to come into the fund. But what we're really after is those that 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 group of investors who who want to come into a fund and enjoy the same kind of things that these big institutions. So what we're trying to do is democratize. We're trying to give access to what has been historically big institutions and family office only kind of assets. Right. Why should they enjoy all these incredible, you know, opportunities uh, alone just because they're writing a big check? Um, so that's really what what you know, what we're all about. But the Dow, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, that's what this is all about. You know, every one of these blockchain projects is a network. That's what it is. We're building a network. It should be valued like a network. You should look at the growth, you know, you know, the, the growth profile like a like a network. You should evaluate it as a network. Um, that's why a lot of these big, you know, bigger ones are offering, you know, huge ecosystem funds to get why to get more people on the network, more people using it, more people, more people that use it, more people that develop apps on those networks, the bigger the network gets. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense too. I, I can see from your angle what you guys are trying to do. Um, and I just see so many people going that route of using DAOs and whatnot. Are you guys allowing, uh, just anyone that has enough money to invest through Cosmo or do they have to be accredited or like what's the in the U S yeah. In the U S you have to be accredited okay. uh, investor. Yes. Uh, outside, outside the U S depends on the jurisdiction. Um, and that's another thing that's really cool about the, uh, the blockchain, right? What you do is you, you go out, you go out to, uh, we use securitize, which is another mm -hmm. great, uh, great, great company. Uh, securitize. We were, I think one of their first customers, if not that, you know, first or second customer, but you basically go out to securitize, you do your KYC AML, and then they determine through the through the systems, you know, okay, in this jurisdiction you need to be accredited, in this jurisdiction you don't need to be the minimum, what's the minimum investment? And then all of that is is basically embedded on the blockchain um, so that, you know, if I'm a US investor and I want to trade my Cosmo token uh, to you and you're a US investor, then it makes sure that 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 transaction is compliant. Got it. Um, 
probably a good place for us to start wrapping up. Uh, sure. I do need to move on to some other things today. Uh, but where can people go to follow you, of course, and also kind of keep up with things Cosmo is doing in terms of investments, um, putting things in their portfolio? Um, I'm not sure if you guys put out any information or you have a blog or anything, but <laughs> tell, tell me where people should go. Yeah, so uh, I'm at Rob Frasca um, on Twitter, uh, and you can go to Cosmo X, C-O-S-I-M-O-X uh, dot com. That's our uh, our website on the fund. You can see our portfolio there, uh, and there's a you know media page. We we like to put our you know get our media out there. Uh, that's probably your best uh, you know your your be- your best bet. Perfect. Um, I'll be sure to put all that stuff in the description below for the episode so they can easily find it. Rob, thank you for taking the time to come on. Um, Super appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and good conversation. Yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy it. Talk to you in the future. Yep, cheers.